Turning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show Hosted by a guy called Jumpy Ellie Tuning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show At JumpyEllie.com Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. And it's going to be rapid fire. It's going to be a filibuster. ton of stuff that I can't wait to get off my chest in regards to what we've seen over the past weekend, we got some NFL. I want to touch on a pattern with the Steelers. I want to talk about Kyrie Irving. I want to talk about Doug Peterson. I also want to bring up the NHL commissioner if I have a little bit of a chance today. But the first thing, we're going to start out by talking about um, you, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were probably due to lose a big game to the Cleveland Browns. And if you think of the Browns, you know, the Browns finally making it to the playoffs to have their little run in them. How many times over the course of a regular season is a game important to the Browns or not important to the Browns and the Steelers come out on top? And that's what you've seen. So as not shocked as I was that the Browns beat the Steelers in spite of the coronavirus basically impacting that entire team and that coaching staff, um, I similarly wasn't surprised to see the Ravens finally beat the Titans in a big game because I thought they were kind of due. But the one thing that kind of keeps jawing at me, keeps kind of coming at me a little bit and giving me a little bit of a hard time is the thought that there's always seems to be a wide receiver or a running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers that just can't seem to stop running his mouth. You had Le'Veon Bell in a contract situation a couple of years ago. And listen, he I don't think he was necessarily a bad teammate. Was he selfish? Yeah, probably. And his teammates probably took it that way. He decides to not play a season because he wants the big contract and kind of turns his back on his teammates. You got the antics of Antonio Brown wanting out of Pittsburgh and everything that's happened since. It could come to a you know, warm and fuzzy ending this year as he seems to be playing well with the Buccaneers and with Tom Brady as his quarterback. But, you know, you add Juju Smith-Schuster, who's probably the most lovable out of all of those players. Pittsburgh Steelers fans love him, but he's out there dancing on the emblems of his opponents during games uh, over the course of the regular season. And now you got Chase Claypool, who, after a loss, says, hey, yeah, it sucks that we lost, but don't worry. Browns are going to get clapped next week. Then we'll feel better. Almost basically saying, number one, that it didn't care that the Steelers lost, but if the Browns lose two, he'll feel better. But most importantly, adding to a pattern of behavior that you're seeing amongst Pittsburgh Steelers skill players. And is it individually just Le'Veon Bell wanting the contract? Is it individually Antonio Brown just wanting out of Pittsburgh? Is it individually Juju Smith-Schuster maybe going a little over top with his celebration and dancing on emblems? Is it just Chase Claypool, by the way, a rookie receiver? Obviously, a smart guy. He comes from Notre Dame making some stupid comments. Maybe individually, they don't seem like they're much of a problem. But you put them all together, and you start to think that this is a pattern of behavior that's enabled by the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. Now, think about it. The Steelers 
owned by the Roonies, one of the staple franchises in the National Football League, don't have a pattern of enabling this type of behavior. They're up there with the Giants. You know, they're up there with the Cowboys. When you think of America's team. So what is the common denominator? Is it the front office? Is it Coach Mike Tomlin? Whatever it is, I think this has to be brought up. Because you have, most importantly, wide receivers. Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and now Chase Claypool basically feel like they can say and do whatever they want. Making fools not only of themselves, but of the organization. The once proud Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. The team that's tied with the most Super Bowls in the history of the National Football League. A team that's had three coaches since what, 1966? It's an example of stability over a series of years Yet you're starting to have this type of behavior becoming a pattern on this football team. Now, I don't know anything about Chase Claypool. He could be a good dude. His comments were kind of stupid. They kind of sounded like a sore loser. They were came off as very sour. Oh, who cares if the Browns beat us? They'll get clapped next week. And they might. I don't know how much of a chance they really have. It's going to be... You know, an interesting game to see if the Kansas City Chiefs, who have won pretty much their last, what, 10 games or so by a score or less, are they going to go beat up the Cleveland Browns? Maybe. We'll see. But you put that all together, it doesn't look good for the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. Number two, NBA, James Harden traded to the Brooklyn Nets. I'm, I'm not soured on Harden. I don't look at Harden as a bad dude. I think every player, no matter what sport you play in, has the right to, you know, declare that they don't want to be playing for the team that they're playing anymore. He meant a lot to the Houston Rockets, so I get it if Houston Rockets fans are a little ticked off and disappointed that Harden demanded to be traded and kind of, you know, kept going to the media saying the situation was kind of, uh, you know, basically to a point where nothing can be salvaged with the relationship between him and the Rockets. I don't hold that against James Harden. He doesn't have, like I said, we talk about the pattern with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the wide receivers. I don't see the same pattern when it comes to James Harden. James Harden's got the right to one out. Now, he's got to go out there and play for the Brooklyn Nets and focus on basketball. It's him and it's Kevin Durant, and now it's Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving's a, a different character all by himself. If you go back to his time with Cleveland, drafted number one overall by the Cavs because LeBron James signed with the Miami Heat. LeBron James comes back, they win an NBA championship, they wouldn't have won that NBA championship if it wasn't for the, the basket, the three-pointer that Kyrie Irving hit in game seven of the NBA Finals that year. He declares he wants out. Cavaliers re basically say, hey, it's okay. We'll trade you to the Boston Celtics. It, it, things don't go well in Boston. He doesn't make a good impression there in Boston. He becomes a free agent. And the Brooklyn Nets can say, hey, we don't have Kevin Durant. 
If it isn't for Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving wants to play with Kevin Durant. They basically say, listen, we're going to form a super team together. Wherever we go, we're going to go together. And they decide Brooklyn's the place to go. They go to the Brooklyn Nets, and it's about Durant. It's about Kyrie Irving. And now you got this weird situation happening over the last couple weeks where Kyrie Irving is basically a wall. Kyrie Irving gives you the impression that he, he may care less about basketball at this point of his life. Now, he's got the right to say and do whatever he wants. He wants to run for mayor of New York City. Hey, go for it. Yeah, maybe he ends up uh, winning. So people say, hey, he can't do worse than the guy that's in the position right now. He wants to be on a Zoom call. He wants to be at a family reunion. Those are all things that he's got the right to do individually. But he signed a long-term contract to play basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. So if he's violating health and safety protocols, it's kind of not fulfilling the obligations of his contract. And he wants to go out there and be a martyr. He can go do that. But he should leave the NBA. And I've heard other people say this. Hey, if he doesn't want to fulfill the obligations of his contract as an NBA basketball player, then he can walk away. Listen, the general public will give him all the credit in the world if he walks away from his big-time NBA contract. He's got the ability to do that. Now, it's going to cost him. It's, gonna, it's not necessarily going to look like the most financially sound decision to make. But you could get into it here and think of whether one thing had to do with the other because I do think the Brooklyn Nets are under a lot of pressure to go out there and win. And I think there is some pressure for the Nets to win this year. And if they don't win this year, they've got to win next year. And if that doesn't happen, then you're looking at this trade they made for James Harden as being an absolute waste of time. And yes, it reeks. You know, Billy King trade with the Celtics for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, you may be sitting here thinking, that this is deja vu all over again. But what's going to make this good? I don't know. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with the cohesion between KD and James Harden. Now everybody knows they played together with Oklahoma City. But you saw Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook, two former teammates with the Thunder, play last year. Between the two of them averaged 63 points a game. And the Rockets make no push to beat the Lakers or the Clippers when it comes to getting to the NBA Finals. And, of course, you got to get to the NBA Finals to win the NBA Finals. So Harden and Westbrook, provided they were going to be a very good regular season team, didn't show you very much in the postseason. Now, what's Durant and Harden going to do? Durant's won a couple NBA championships. You're going to get one in Brooklyn with the Nets? And the question's going to be, what happens with Kyrie Irving here? He said, hey, maybe he'll be back Saturday. Well, now you got to worry about quarantine issues for things that he defied, which, by the way, should, uh, you know, result in some sort of suspension, reduction of pay, you know, losing game checks. He shouldn't be paid for the games that he missed. 
This is all stuff that he could he could do on his own time if he wants. But when it be, gets to a point where you're questioning whether or not this guy wants to go out there and play basketball, remember, he got the coach fired last year. It was Kyrie Irving's decision to fire Kenny Atkinson last year. He was behind the hiring of Steve Nash. You're giving this player this much power, and he's he's taking that power and running with it. He's doing whatever the hell he wants. And you get to a point where you talk about whether it's a violation of his contract as a player, which I think it's getting close. Where's that line where Kyrie Irving is enacting in behavior that's unbecoming of a player that's under contract to play basketball for a basketball team? And obviously the Nets... Are, are bothered by this. Obviously, the Nets are going crazy over this. In fact, the Nets were probably drawn to make the trade for James Harden because of the uncertainty of Kyrie Irving. And you can say this. You could say that, you know, Durant's not in Brooklyn if it's not for Kyrie. And maybe you got Durant and Harden just because of Kyrie's decision to want to go to Brooklyn. And if Kyrie's not part of the solution... Maybe Durant and Harden are. And I get that line of thinking. But you have a star player still in spite of all the deficiencies that we could talk about. Is he going to go AWOL? What does he want to do? Is he a good teammate? I don't know. Still a good basketball player. The three of those players together should go out there and win. And tell me, you look at that Brooklyn Nets roster, and I know it's not very deep. They played the Knicks yesterday with, uh, you know, the ragtag bunch that they had. Maybe you get a couple diamonds in a rough. I I thought it was a good job by Steve Nash to basically play everybody. All nine players he had available got considerable minutes, if if I'm not mistaken. I think seven players scored in double figures. So you got a good look at the players that you got, seeing what kind of players you can rotate in. Maybe you got a couple guys that can play a little defense. You make up for the loss of Jared Allen, and you make up for the loss of Carlos LeVert. Spencer Dinwiddie's out. I think the Nets, you could probably say maybe they're four solid. You, you throw Joe Harrison in a mix. But that's assuming that Kyrie Irving's on the court, and I think that's going to be a, a concern. At the very least, you're not sure if Kyrie Irving's going to play this Saturday. And if he doesn't play this Saturday, there is a legitimate concern over when he is going to play again. Third thing, back to the NFL. Philadelphia Eagles, maybe a little bit of a power struggle with general manager Howie Roseman and coach Doug Peterson. Results in Doug Peterson losing his job. He was fired as the head football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, if you think about it, in the grand scheme of sports, there's hockey, there's basketball. Basically, their coaches are a dime a dozen. Anything goes wrong, it's thrown on the coach. They're scapegoated. You know the NBA, just like I, I just said, it's a league run by the players. Kyrie Irving fired Kenny Atkinson, not Sean Marks. And the same thing applies to the other star players in the National Basketball Association. Hockey, I just think that you know, it's sewn into front offices, general managers, team presidents in hockey 
that the firing of a coach could send a spark through the team. So that's why coaches are fired so frequently when it comes to the National Hockey League. Major League Baseball, you know my feeling about a manager. He's no more than a guidance counselor. If you don't feel he's got the pulse of the clubhouse, then it's time to get rid of him and get somebody else because the game plan comes from the front office. National Football League is different. You bring in a head football coach, you're bringing in his philosophy, you're bringing in his staff. There's more tangible things that a head football coach in the National Football League can control as opposed to other sports. And think of the prize. You know, a Stanley Cup is great in hockey, but it wears off after a little while. An NBA championship. Think about the NBA as it's been a series of dynasties. The Lakers, the Celtics, most recently the Golden State Warriors. You sneak one championship in there, odds are it gets forgotten about pretty quick. Super Bowl, there's only 33 head coaches in the history of the National Football League that have won a Super Bowl. 33. There's 54 Super Bowls. There's 33 Super Bowl winning head coaches. One of them is Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson off of that alone will get one of the other six jobs that are available in the National Football League this year. Now, Doug could say, hey, maybe I want to take the year off. That's up to him. He wants to coach. I think the Jets could hire him. Connection to Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas came from Philadelphia. There's a number of openings that would be certainly suitable and would probably wouldn't mind having a Super Bowl winning head coach. So that that's my angle on that. If you're the Eagles, just three years removed from winning a Super Bowl, it's time to part ways with the head coach. I understand there's been a lot of injuries in Philadelphia with the Eagles. I understand that the performance of the quarterback in Carson Wentz was not becoming of an NFL quarterback this past year. Add in, you know, the controversy. Add in the fact that Frank Wright and John Filippo who had a lot of say in the offensive game planning the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, are no longer there. Nick Foles, who was a Super Bowl MVP, isn't there. Is it, Could it be said that Doug Peterson just wasn't that good? Now listen, coaches are hired to be fired, and that exists in all of sports. So I'm not saying this was never going to happen. But the part with a Super Bowl winning coach after just three seasons after winning a Super Bowl calls for a little bit of pause. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and the solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or use of programs such as by charging admission for its showing is similarly prohibited. So in a couple minutes, we're going to get into the next five free agents that I'm going to predict homes for. And out of the free agents that I've picked so far, we've had two of them that have finally signed. So, so far in a tracker, we're zero for two. I wanted to talk a little hockey. Because you hear the commissioner going out there speaking again. And I, I wanted to listen to his comments exactly the way they were said. 
so I could formulate my opinion because I think sometimes you read a quote, it's sometimes missed the context. You have a, a podcast host or a show host that may have asked a question in a direct way to get a certain answer. So I wanted to see where Gary Bettman was coming from when he he's suggested that the National Hockey League would be more profitable if it didn't play any games this year. And once again, you're looking at a commissioner that was partially responsible for a season being canceled. You're talking about a commissioner that almost was responsible for another season being canceled. And you throw this in there, the fact that he says, hey, it might be more profitable for the National Hockey League, for hockey in general, if there was no games played at all. Now, while there may be some truth to that, I think it's an awful message to all hockey fans. It's an awful message to the National Hockey League and the players that prepare for a season, the players that for the postseason sacrificed their family life to play in a bubble setting. And to say that hockey will be more profitable without games. And you understand that hockey you know, basically relies on the revenue of some fans that go to the stadiums, but it's not like you're not selling out 50,000 seat stadiums, not throughout the league. Maybe the garden will sell a little more tickets for a hockey game than some other places, Madison square, but you go throughout. I mean, you're, you're out, you're lucky if you average 10,000 fans, a hockey game, and that's with, you know, full access pre pandemic. I know the price for an average hockey ticket is more than that of an average Major League Baseball ticket. And if you're the hockey, if you're the National Hockey League, you have a right to claim poverty up to a certain point. But the commissioner coming to an agreement with the four corporations to give naming rights to the division, to have decals on helmets, to add an influx of billions and billions of dollars into the National Hockey League was an absolute boon for the sport. And you're going to take all their money and then still claim poverty. I got a problem with that. I do. And Gary Bettman's statement, I'll admit, by listening to it, was was not as bad as it sounded. Basically saying hockey would be more profitable if there was no games played. Now, he wasn't suggesting that there should be no games played. He was talking about a financial aspect and a financial aspect when it comes to how much money and revenue can be generated for the sport, the amount of money saved by paying the players, the amount of money saved by paying stadiums and all the rights to have all the expenses that are involved in the National Hockey League to save on those expenses will be more profitable for the league. And that's basically what he was saying. Still comes off awful, especially after I'm just praising you a week ago for taking billions and billions of dollars when it comes to corporations, just taking a ton of money just to name some divisions, just to have decals on helmets. You, what are you pocketing that money? You're still claiming poverty after taking all that money? I don't agree with that. We're going to jump in a little bit of free agency first. Well, a little bit of an update 
on any free agents that have moved. And we did have two free agents that ended up signing. We got actually three. I'm sorry. So we're zero for three. We're going to add Kyle Schwarber to the Washington Nationals. So we are wrong there. Wrong with Robbie Grossman, who ends up going to the Tigers, where I predicted Indians and Blake Trinan went back to the Dodgers instead of the New York Mets. So now we're going to do four, one, two, three, four, five. Liam Hendricks ends up signing with the Chicago White Sox. And because of that, the White Sox closer, Alex Colome, is going to be looking for a place to pitch this year. It's unlikely the White Sox will bring him back. Hendrick is, Hendricks is the best ninth inning guy in the free agent market. He is getting paid over $18 million a year to pitch the ninth inning. Alex Colome, who's been a closer for the White Sox the last couple seasons, will probably find a place to pitch the ninth inning. I think that place is going to be Toronto with the Blue Jays. Problem with the Blue Jays, and others have said this, Blue Jays are having a hard time getting free agents to take their money. George Springer, um, I predict Marzo Zuna could end up there. Trevor Bauer, DJ LeMahieu, all top free agents the Blue Jays are interested in. But there's issues there. There's issues with getting into the border in Canada right now. The Blue Jays didn't play a single game in Toronto last year in a truncated 60-game season. They played in Buffalo. This year, they're going to be playing in Dunedin, Florida in a minor league stadium again. If you're a free agent, I, I get why you're not so excited to go there. But if you sign a long-term contract, you understand at some point you're going to be playing games at Rogers Center. And you know the Blue Jays are looking to make a new stadium. I can see Kyle May going to the Blue Jays. They're looking to make a run this year. I think this is a good team, a team close enough that made the playoffs last year. I think they're good enough in that American League East. Yankees, you figure, are going to be good. The Rays always find a way to be good. Boston, while they may be getting better, I think, still think they're another year away. And then you got Baltimore that's on that, uh, you, know, you know, many, many years rebuilt. Houston Astro. 2010 to 2014 type of rebuild. Cesar Hernandez is an interesting player. And if you think about Coors Field, the Rockies, you play him at third base, I'm sorry, at second base or even first base. Maybe move a couple guys around the diamond. Cesar Hernandez could go out there, produce for the Colorado Rockies. I could see that being a good signing for them. Now, Kirby Yates. Now, initially, I had picked him to go to the White Sox. I'm going to switch because I was wrong about Liam Hendricks. I had him going to the Mets. I have a chance because I haven't made this declaration yet. So I'm just going to switch. We're going to do a little bait and switch. Kirby Yates, I got him going to the Mets now. I thought Hendricks would be a good, very good signing for the Mets as they kind of add to their bullpen, kind of creating a little bit of a super bullpen. If they weren't going to sign Trevor Bauer, they kind of come at you from the back of the game to the front. 
and Yates isn't going to be going to the White Sox because Hendricks is going there, so give me Kirby Yates to the Mets. Brad Miller, quiet player, a couple of years ago, could have been had by anybody on a minor league deal, performed pretty well for the St. Louis Cardinals to a point where he's going to get a major league contract. And does he get a multi-year deal? I don't know. He probably started a one-year deal, maybe an option, something like that. And we're thinking all 30 teams here. I think the Pittsburgh Pirates take a shot at him. Play him every day, whether it's second base, third base, shortstop, first base, the outfield. Maybe he produces. Maybe you find a way to trade him at the trading deadline, get a little something for him. I think it would be a good move for the Pirates. Finally, Andrelton Simmons, shortstop. Best defensive shortstop in baseball still. Platinum glove winner. Guy's going to go out there and make plays. He makes entire infields better. Angels are going to be moving on since they made the trade for Jose Iglesias. I look at the Giants as being a great fit. They got Brandon Crawford there. Crawford, production has been down over the last couple of years. Maybe he could kind of slide into a utility role. Simmons shores up the defense up the middle. You're developing some young pitchers. You're trying to take a couple steps. If you're the San Francisco Giants, just barely missed out on the playoffs last year, came down to the last game. I like Angelson Simmons to the Giants. So give me uh, Alex Colomay to the Blue Jays, Cesar Hernandez, Colorado Rockies, Kirby Yates, New York Mets, Brad Miller, Pittsburgh Pirates, Angelton Simmons, San Francisco Giants. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, if you take a look behind me, you see a little bit of a renovations going on in the PBS studios. I threw some stuff up on a wall. If you if you watch the YouTube video, which has got a little bit of a better camera angle, I got a little more stuff in a backdrop there. A little bit of a recap of the show today. And as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You can check out the PBS on SoundCloud, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, YouTube. Thinking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is one of the prominent franchises in all professional sports. You think of the Roonies. You think of the way this team has been run. The fact that they've had three head coaches since the mid-1960s. There's a lot of stability there. But you're also seeing a pattern of erratic behavior by skill players in that team. Le'Veon Bell makes the selfish move, decides it's all about him. He doesn't want to play. He'll, he'd rather sit out than play for the franchise tag. Antonio Brown has his diva moment, spazzes out, actually spazzes out after he leaves Pittsburgh, demands a trade, gets it to the Raiders, has all types of issues there with the Patriots for a game, yada, yada, yada. Juju Smith-Schuster, as likable as Juju Smith-Schuster is, He's out there dancing on emblems of his opponents. It's not a good look for the franchise. Now Chase Claypool goes to TikTok Live. Sucks that we lost. Don't worry, Browns are going to get clapped next week. It's a pattern of behavior that is being enabled somewhere. 
And am I blaming it on Mike Tomlin? Probably not. I'm not going after Mike Tomlin saying that this is his fault. He is the coach. I mean, he has to have a pulse on what's going on here. And does he want that type of reputation for the Steelers to be a place where diva receivers go to and act however the hell they want? There doesn't seem to be any accountability for any actions here. Yes, Juju ends up stopping, you know, his antics. And all in all, he's probably a good dude. Chase Claypool, rookie receiver, played football at Notre Dame. He's got to be a smart dude. He, he can't be doing what he's doing. Big trade with James Harden going to the Brooklyn Nets. And once again, I continue to center this around Kyrie Irving. There's a reason that Kevin Durant is playing for the Brooklyn Nets, and it's because of Kyrie Irving. There's a reason that Kenny Atkinson is no longer coaching the Brooklyn Nets. That's because of Kyrie Irving. And you can make a case that maybe not directly, it may not have been Kyrie Irving's decision for the Brooklyn Nets to trade with the Rockets for James Harden, but Kyrie Irving is the reason that the Brooklyn Nets traded for James Harden. There's pressure on the Nets. They put together this super team. The expectation is that they're they need to go out there and win an NBA championship. They got to make it to the finals within the next couple of years. You go out there and you play against the Lakers or the Clippers or whoever, and they, they beat you in a best of seven series. You say, okay, we tried. But there's expectations on the Brooklyn Nets right now. And there's a fear, whether it's Sean Marks, whether it's the new owner, that this team is starting to self-destruct. Self-destructing because of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is putting his own interest ahead of his teammates and his employer. He signed a big contract to play pro basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. He signed this contract after wearing out his welcome in Boston, after demanding a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers where he was teammates with LeBron James and the team had just won an NBA championship. Now he's AWOL. Where is he? He's at the running for office. He's on a Zoom call. He's at a family reunion. Violating health and safety protocols. He's nowhere near a basketball court. He'll be back Saturday. So you keep hearing. Tell you this. If Kyrie Irving isn't back on a court Saturday, I'd be very concerned if I'm an NBA fan. And most importantly, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets or a Brooklyn Nets fan. Are you going to see a lot of Kyrie Irving the rest of the year? How is he going to mesh with Harden and with Durant? Nets went out there, blew out their first two opponents this year with Durant and with Kyrie. James Harden is going to want to shoot the ball. James Harden had averaged 34 points a game last year. In fact, James Harden and Russell Westbrook added six, averaged 63 points a game between the two of them last year. Rockets didn't win the NBA Finals. Rockets didn't get to the NBA Finals. Are you looking at a similar situation with the Brooklyn Nets? And how much is Kyrie going to contribute? He fired Doug Peterson, one of 33 coaches in the history of the National Football League that have won a Super Bowl. That's it. 33 coaches 
in the history of the National Football League have won a Super Bowl. Now, coaches are hired to be fired. It was inevitable at some point this was something that was probably going to happen. After three years of winning a Super Bowl, I'm questioning it. Now, I don't know what the Eagles' next move is going to be. Are they going to get any Irvin Meyer sweepstakes? Apparently, there's a little bit of a of, of an issue between him and Jacksonville now. Jacksonville makes the perfect sense because that's where Urban Meyer wants to be. He wants to be in Florida. Other teams are interested in Urban Meyer. He is the hot commodity when it comes to the coach that's a free agent that teams are looking to get. Because for the first time, Urban, Me- Urban Meyer has shown some inclination to want to go to the National Football League. He's reached out to some people. He's trying to put together a coaching staff with the possibility that he lands maybe the Jacksonville job. But if he doesn't get the Jacksonville job, I, I would see a lot of teams going out there with some money saying, hey, how much would it cost to bring you and your staff in here? Do the Eagles got a plan? Lincoln Riley, haven't heard any discussion about him over the last couple of years. Coach at Oklahoma, maybe that's what the Eagles are looking for. I don't know. I mean, whatever it is, it's going to be a tough situation. Carson Wentz is going to either be on the roster or not be on the roster next year with the Philadelphia Eagles. Howie Roseman may like Carson Wentz. Maybe Carson Wentz is getting another chance with the big contract that he has to be the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles next year. Jalen Hurts got the play. Jalen Hurts didn't dominate. He also didn't look horrible. But it's interesting. Like I said, there's 33 coaches in the history of the National Football League that have won a Super Bowl. And the Eagles kicked Doug Peterson at a curb like he was a problem. I don't know. I think we'll see round two. One of these other six jobs out there when it comes to the head coaching vacancies that exist in the National Football League. One of them is going to hire Doug Peterson. And the only way Doug Peterson isn't getting hired is if Doug Peterson doesn't want to coach. And I'm pretty sure he wants to coach. Gary Bettman, commissioner, National Hockey League, saying the sport would be more profitable if they didn't play at all. The same commissioner that canceled an entire NHL season due to a labor dispute. The same commissioner that damn near canceled another hockey season because of a labor dispute. The same commissioner that just received billions and billions of dollars from four major corporate sponsors to sponsor the divisions, to throw an emblem on the hockey players' helmets. What's he doing with that influx of money? You got to be close to being profitable when he just inherited billions and billions of dollars from four major corporations that couldn't wait to get their name on the National Hockey League. Now, his statement was a little bit out of context. He wasn't implying that that's what he wanted. He was basically stating when it comes to profits and no profits, they probably make more money by not paying the players. They probably make more money by not throwing out any of the additional expenses that they have when it comes to the National Hockey League. Still bad look when you got the commissioner making statements like that. We'll be back with you in a couple days. Once again, this is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the PBS podcast, the Passball Show podcast. 
on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. You can subscribe to my channel on YouTube. Back with you Saturday morning. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.